Welcome, everybody, to Justify Your Existence, the Daily Journal's podcast about Mississippi State, Ole Miss, the SEC, and beyond. I am Michael Katz, the Ole Miss beat writer, and I am here with Stefan Kreischnick, who covers Mississippi State. Uh, Stefan, are you enjoying, I, I don't know if I call it a bye week for us, but maybe you got a little bit of time to breathe. Are you, are you enjoying this, this little bit of air? Yeah, it feels like a, it feels like a couple bye weeks, at least for um, us covering Mississippi State, because you know, you got no football this week and then uh, finals week next week. So it's it's a good uh, stretch to kind of, you know, detox from a, a very uh, crazy and fun uh, college football season to this point, though uh, it appears that the fun is only getting started now. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, we, we usually don't lack for topics uh, on here, but uh, we, we, we really do not lack for topics right now. <laughs> this has maybe been the most insane uh, 48 hours in, in the modern college football, you know, coaching yeah. carousel cycle, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it started with my Trojans somehow hiring Lincoln Riley, depending on who you ask. It was for like billions of dollars and, and planes and trains and like, you know, firstborns. Um, not my money, so I don't care. Um, <laughs> but that kind of got the ball rolling because all of a sudden a, a, a new job opened up and that job is still not filled. And all of a sudden, uh, Brian Kelly is the head coach at LSU, which um, we, we talked about this a little bit before, but it's the funniest possible hire for that school. Um, just uh, have, have you ever seen anything like this b- b- before? Uh, it, it's hard to think of, of those a move where a major established winning coach goes to another blue blood program. Right. No, not really. And it's kind of surprising because we, we see a lot where, you know, someone wins at, you know, a, a mid-major or, or G5 team, and that coach kind of leaves for, for a big job. Like something like a Luke Fickle leaving for the Oklahoma job is not something that would particularly surprise me at any point. But, you know, having someone leave Oklahoma, that's a perennial playoff team year in and year out. And then Notre Dame, another perennial playoff team year in and year out, um, it's, it's surprising. It's definitely surprising, and I don't think we have witnessed this. Um, and, I, and I'm trying to think if we've ever even witnessed this in, in any other sport. Like major professional sports, you know, usually someone's a free agent, so their contract's over. You know, you leave after your contract ends. You know, otherwise you can't leave unless you're traded, and you know it's hard to you know get trades to go across. Um, you know, and we don't we don't see it in many other college sports like basketball. You don't really see it. You know, it's just the template has always been um, when it comes to major moves like this is. You coach a G5 and you do really well and you're maybe, you know, a top 20 team or something like that. Um, and then you leave for a Notre Dame or an LSU or an Oklahoma or USC. Um, you know, the closest I think we got to something major, maybe even being in our minds, was James Franklin going to USC. Like that that was kind of like, you know, Penn State's usually ranked and they're a Big Ten team. And like, you know, James Franklin leaving to go to USC. But like James Franklin had been there a long time and he had made the jump from Vandy to Penn State and like, you know, all due respect to Penn State, I think there's a lot more appeal to what the potential at USC is. Like, it kind of feels like this is, you know, Penn State's ceiling almost, what we've seen from them maybe in the past decade or so. It's, it's kind of what their ceiling is right now. USC ceiling appeals or appears to be higher if, if things go, you know, the way people expect them to. Um, but but still even, still even, James Franklin doesn't compare to a Lincoln Riley or Brian Kelly. And I think that's what caught so many people off guard. Um and on top of that, I mean, just the money that's being thrown around right now is just absolutely ridiculous. And if anybody listening to this podcast has ever in the past thought, you know, I don't really like NIL. Well, 
let's just stop with that. Let's just stop with that. Let's maybe start having a discussion about not enough money for the kids. I I know, man. It's just like it. I don't like the contracts. I think uh, Brian Kelly's is like ten years, ninety-five million, and then when you put in incentives, it gets to about a hundred million. You know, like that. That stuff doesn't really catch me off guard. Contracts just get bigger, bigger every year. But like USC, like giving. 50, 50 or 500,000 more to like pay off um, Lincoln Riley's homes in Norman, who I don't know why you need two homes in Norman anyways. And then giving him like a multi-million dollar house in LA and then giving him a private jet, whenever he wants to use it. Like that's the kind of stuff where I'm just like, Holy crap, man, like this is legit. And this is a dirty, dirty business that um, a lot of rich, very rich people are involved in. And um, yeah, I, I, I'm curious in your thoughts. Um, just about the timeline of this all, um, you know, Brian Kelly and, and Lincoln Riley had huge games on Saturday. And they're both, I mean, Lincoln Riley, he said his, his first phone call with USC was on, on Sunday morning and that it was a really hard decision. One of those two isn't true yeah, because it's either a really easy decision or you got this phone call. I just got off this phone with Scarlett Johansson. So, <laughs> but it's just like, it's like, don't say it was a hard decision. If you made it in less than 24 hours and don't say it was, or this is a decision that you thought about, I don't know, maybe two months ago when a certain job opened. Yeah, no, it's uh, the comparison that was brought up to me that I think is like the closest thing is in college basketball. Roy Williams went from Kansas to North Carolina. It's like the closest one where you go from blue blood to blue blood, powerhouse, powerhouse. um, Right. One that really makes the fans of the other place mad. Um, because I'm sure you've seen there are traitor signs all around Norman. There was a video of somebody throwing a box full of supplies off the football facilities at Oklahoma. It's big, like bad X X breakup uh, energy there. Um, (laughs) You know, the timing is it's, I'll say this. I don't think this gets done if Oklahoma had won Bedlam. Yeah, because I think it would be a million times more surprising. Yes, it's hard to imagine. No, yes. Um, I think that them not playing the Big 12 title game, you know, obviously everybody was talking about LSU and, you know, Lincoln Riley with the quote of the year saying, I'm not taking the LSU job. Well, he didn't lie. He just, we were asking the wrong questions, apparently. Brian Kelly then went ahead and topped that quote, but we get that later. Yeah, God bless. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's I, – I don't think it happens if they're playing this weekend because I this is really kind of the week when everybody wants to get those moves done. Um, because if you start to wait till bowl games or playoff, then you're kind of putting yourself behind the eight ball a, a little bit there. You know, it's – there's a lot of conspiracy – I'm big on, like, the Twitterati, you know, Twitter conspiracy theories. Uh, I don't know if you've looked at Oklahoma's recruiting class, but it's very Southern California heavy. Um, right. Five-star quarterback, uh, running back, receiver, all these guys. And so, like, you know, big brain Twitter is saying this was the plan all along and that he was going to take those kids, which is not true at all. Oklahoma has always recruited Southern California really, really well. Right. Um, it's just, again, like that's where we are in terms of the takes. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the, the Oklahoma thing completely – I, you know, I saw the rumor in the morning. I think our friend Ben Portnoy sent it to me. And I was like, okay, like, I'm still expecting Jeff Fisher. Like, and then literally within three hours, it was done. Like, 
you know, I, we overuse the this escalated quickly meme a lot, but like this really like this happened fast. Right. Uh, just uh, bizarre. I, I do think, though, I mean, yes, the 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 one of of, of Oklahoma at SC is pretty crazy, but no one leaves Notre Dame like ever. Like, I think Ross right. Ballinger, it was like 1907 or something was the last time somebody left Notre Dame for another job. It's either they die or they get fired. <laughs> like, or they retire. Like, it, it, you don't leave Notre Dame. Um, it's, it's incredible. I cannot wait to see Brian Kelly go to an LSU tailgate for the first time or just, like, meet boosters. That's going to be – I will watch that. I will be riveted. Yeah, I'm curious your thoughts. It's been discussed a lot. The the appeal between the LSU job and the Notre Dame job. Is the LSU job that much better, you think? So, the from one perspective, I do think it is. Because I hate Notre Dame. You know that. I'm an SC guy. Notre Dame is the worst. That being said, it's a very – it is academic-oriented, and they do have different standards for getting kids in compared to – some other places i think the standard getting to lsu is maybe a little bit easier than it is to notre dame uh it's not like notre dame recruits badly and they they do recruit you know everywhere but um you know lsu i think has easier access to athletes and um if if we've seen notre dame you know in starting with that bcs championship in 2012 or whatever it was um and you know back to you know last year they just don't have the horses to compete when it comes into those big games. And it becomes really, really obvious that they just do not have the type of athlete or speed to get it done uh, in in a a playoff. And so I think from one perspective, it does make sense because he's not going to have that problem at LSU, assuming he can recruit. Um, And, you know, I I know there's a lot of opinions about Brian Kelly that could float it out there. Um, some good, most not so good. Uh, but you know, he has done a pretty good job of recruiting at Notre Dame and it's, you know, you're going to be in the hotbed of college football. And so I think from that regard, he has a better chance of winning a national championship because he's going to have access to better players. But at the same time, like you don't leave Notre Dame. Like I, I hate, I hate Notre Dame. I despise it. And that's one of the best jobs in college football. I know that. It's right. just, um, yeah, I know money talks and I, I know Notre Dame was never like super hot on, I know he kind of fallen out of favor a little bit. It seemed like every year they were mad at him for something. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's every like college fan base ever. Well, well yes. Um, but you know, part of it too is like, you know, they're, 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 I, I sometimes think they forget like how bad things were before he got there. Like right. end of the Charlie Weiss era was bad. And right really before bad. the Charlie Weiss era with Tyler Willingham was really bad. Um, you know, now they're in contention for a New Year's Six game every year. It's not like things are so bad. Um, you right. know, USC would kill for that right now. Um, <laughs> and, and so, um, you know, I, I think, and you know, you're at somewhere for, I guess he's been there like 12 years now, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, it's been a while. But, um, uh, you know, and I understand it's a long time to beat a place. Uh, and, you know, I can understand it wanting to move on, but, uh, and maybe have a better chance to compete, but just, man, this just Notre Dame is like the destination job 
the only place you leave for that is like an NFL job. Right. Well, you know what they say about northern northern Indiana this time of year. Beautiful. I can look. I can look out my window right now, and the sun is still up, so that's good. That's good. How cold is it? Um, you know, not too cold this week. Um, you know, it gets a little warmer as the years go on. It seems uh, for other reasons, but uh, you know, we're we're a couple weeks away from thirties, twenties, tens. Those being negative numbers and not positive numbers. <laughs> Man, I I, I I love Wyoming. Guy Fieri was in Wyoming this week, which makes me really, really sad because I've wanted – that's all I ever wanted when I lived there. Um, <laughs> do not miss seeing the negative sign in uh, in, in a forecast. Yeah, I'm thinking about Wyoming and, um, and your guy, Guy Fieri, there, and Mike Leach being from there. That would just be an electric combination. If you... Could you, I, I wouldn't even have any questions. I'd just let him talk. You literally just have to let them talk at that point. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, as long as, as long as guy doesn't bring any candy corn. Well, hopefully he's not a candy corn guy. He's like tasting too much food around the world to be a candy corn guy. Yeah. I feel like his palate is just nuclear at this point. <laughs> I don't even know if he has taste buds. Uh, just a reminder that you can follow Justify Your Existence on your favorite podcast platform or at djournal.com slash podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at djournalsports or in our Facebook groups, the Mississippi State discussion with Parrish Alford and Stefan Kreischnick, and the Ole Miss discussion with Parrish Alford and Michael Katz. Um, before we move on, I would just like to, I am taking myself out of the running for the Oklahoma Notre Dame jobs. I just want to get ahead of that. Um, I, I, I um, I'm not, depending on what they offer, my name is very much there. Okay. I'm I sorry hope, to Parrish. I was going to say Parrish and John Luke. Um, we're on the record. Okay. Okay. I'm uh, yeah, sorry, I, guys, but if that if that job opens up, I might have to take it. If if you if you can pay off several houses for me and give me a private jet, I, I think we I can be convinced. Yes, yes. Uh, but uh, are and there a company any... car? <laughs> uh, I guess the other big one is Billy Napier, which is kind of the more traditional hiring of a guy who goes from a group of five. It honestly reminds me a lot of the Urban Meyer hire when they hired him. You know, he was coming from Utah, um, one really big there. Napier did some amazing things um, at, at Louisiana um, right. and has had experience on big staffs, as was Urban Meyer's kind of MO. What are your thoughts on that hire? I, I, of course, there's a chance it blows up. I, I think it's a home run. Yeah, no, I, th- I think it's a good hire. And Louisiana has definitely been maybe one of the more underrated programs in the nation, you know, past however many years uh, Napier has been there. Um, you know, I think Florida fans watching you know, the Lincoln Riley and the Brian Kelly stuff have been probably wanted something more splashy and um, it's probably going to make it harder on Napier to succeed because people are going to be like, well, you hired this guy when you could have had Brian Kelly. Or you hired this guy when you could have had Lincoln Riley. Um, I, I think maybe we are seeing um, what Florida is since, you know, Urban Meyer left. Well, that's a take. I like it. I like it. Keep going. But it's like, but it's like they, I don't think, I don't think they have the USC or even the LSU appeal or maybe even money to, to be, you know, up there. And, um, you know, that it, it's kind of the route that they've just taken and, and, and it's, and it can be good hire. And I, I think Napier would actually do a pretty decent job there. And he's coming into a situation where, you know, like, you know, I, I say this about Florida compared to like a USC or an LSU, but like 
Florida can recruit. Yeah. Florida can be good. It's if they like choose to. If they choose to. Right. It's not like he's going to Vanderbilt. Like, he's going to Florida. As long as he recruits, he should be all right. Um, because, you know, Florida's a decent state for recruiting football players. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, it's not bad. Um, but, yeah, I think I, I think it's a smart route. And it's, and it's you know, maybe a risky route. Who knows? I mean, is it a risky route, though? Like, like you could argue it's a safer route because you're not throwing around as much money. And it's like, if this fails, like, yeah, you lose a couple of years. But like, you don't lose, a, you know, a couple billion dollars in this process. Um, so that's that's kind of what's intriguing to me is, um, you know, c- compared to all the other hires, how are Florida fans going to handle this? Surely Florida, hands, Florida fans will handle this fine and perfectly well and give him enough time and patience uh, to build a program there. Um, but, but yeah, compared to, you know, what's been going on, um, maybe, maybe it's better for Florida. Things are kind of hush-hush and they're making this higher. Nobody's really talking about it. Um, maybe it's not. So that's kind of just the, the difficulty of hiring a guy like that is, um, you know, you're, you're kind of sitting there, you're telling yourself it's a good hire, but you're also kind of mad it's not the flash you hire. You're not the one making headlines, um, you know, and getting five-star recruits to just flip from Notre Dame to come to you um, or flip, flip from Oklahoma to come to you. But um, I'm interested to see how it pans out. I think it's a good hire. Um, b- before we move on, two things. One, how amazing was the text that Brian Kelly sent to his players and uh, his two-minute speech? What are your thoughts? Uh, I think that was probably two minutes too long. It, it definitely could have been an email. That um, yeah. Don't don't ask me to come at seven a.m. after that. Like, don't don't even have the nerve to ask me to wake up that early. What, what's the over/under on how many people you think actually went to that meeting? If there's a hundred and- whatever guys on a team. Less than half, right? I, I would have said the over/under at like fifty. Yeah, like that's a good like betting line. And then like because you gotta you gotta imagine about forty of them are already in the transfer portal. So what do the rest of them do? <laughs> no, like Which also it, the transfer portal is just insane right now. Yeah, it's uh, there's there, there's uh, there's a couple of good quarterbacks in there that uh, many people are talking about. I don't want to deal with that right now. But uh, my other question is, uh, are are there any uh, coaches that haven't been let go that you're surprised with? Any programs that have kept guys? I know for me, the one I'm looking at is Miami. Yeah, Miami comes to mind. Huh. You know, I haven't really thought about it. I I, I wanted to say, my first reaction where I thought you were going with the question, I was going to say Luke Fickle because I thought like he would be leaving soon, but he's not going to get fired. I would hope not. That'd be wild Um, if he did. Yeah, programs or I don't know. Yeah, no, nothing that really comes off the top of my head. And probably if I if you gave me two minutes to look it up, I'd probably find something. Okay, so no, so, so let's answer your question. Who are you surprised is still there? Luke, yeah, Luke Fickle, I'm kind of surprised is still there. James Franklin, I'm surprised signed that extension. I, I thought that he would leave for for something better. Um, you know, we we talked about the Notre Dame job. You and I talked about this before the podcast. Um, Jeff Brom is. Like there was a lot of talks a few years ago about him going to Louisville and like, you know, Jeff Brown has to be your first call. Like that was a whole bit, um, especially for, you know, us in Indiana. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm a little surprised and maybe he is, you know, getting calls from Notre Dame and stuff right now. I'm not necessarily surprised he's not gone yet just because of how recent the season finished. And, and, and he would, he feels like he's in a situation. He feels to me like he's in a situation where he would ride out the bowl game just because, you know, a bowl game actually means something to Purdue. Whereas like, you know, Oklahoma, they're out of the playoff now and, kind of, you know, almost feels a little bit irrelevant after losing Bedlam. Um, that's probably another game name that comes to mind. Um, and you come to your mind. I think one of the uh, one of the better hires that I'll note is um, Washington going with Kalen DeBoer. I think that's a really good hire. We uh, kind of reminds me a little bit of the 
the Florida Napier hire, but um, I, I saw Kalen DeBoer. He came to Indiana as offensive coordinator uh, two years ago now, something like that. And that Indiana, Indiana offense, I mean, took off. Like people, people that saw the Indiana offense this year, like they were scoring like 30 points a game a couple of years ago. And he left and he went back to Fresno. He was OC at Fresno, went back to be head coach at Fresno because that's what he always wanted to do. Fresno was a top 25 team within, you know, a year and a half, two years, not even. Um, and, and I think he's a really good fit at Washington. And I think he's a really good fit in the Pac-12. Um, that might that might be, I mean, obviously Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly are huge hires that are surely going to do well at some point to have top 10 programs at some point. Um, but overall, in terms of just the like, finding someone who fits well at your program, Kalen DeBoer might be the best hire so far, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I, I remember texting you earlier uh, and saying, like, I know SC will never do it, but he was a guy I really liked because one, the offensive profile right. was just through the roof. Um, and two, he's he's won everywhere he's been. Um, right. You know, he's been a head coach, you know, obviously, you know, the Fresno State thing. But before that, you know, I know he had uh, taken some lower level jobs and won a, a ton of games. And, um, you know, like you said, like you watched the Indiana offense this year. You, there's there's a pretty big difference and that difference was Kalen um and so you know well Washington's always an interesting job because Washington is good no they don't have like the cachet of like SC in the Pac-12 but when Washington is good it's really really good for the West Coast um no absolutely I mean Seattle loves football man Seattle loves football and there's no pro football team there anymore because the Seahawks are yeah they (laughs) well it's okay because Notre Dame's going to Notre Dame anyways and um Surely Russell Wilson will find his way, you know, maybe in the Midwest with the Bears or something. Uh, you <laughs> or the Pack, or the Packers next year. Honestly, that now that's something that actually would happen to me. Is he comes back to Wisconsin because Aaron Rodgers leaves? You know, I've actually in these three seconds that I've been talking about this, completely put that in my head now. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, like you know, you like that, like it makes a lot of sense now, doesn't it? No, it does. It does. Um, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I I also do love that. Like. Let's just like forget that Russell Wilson played three years at NC State. Like we'll we'll just talk about that one year at Wisconsin. You know, you know how it goes. <laughs> anyway, uh, we actually it's like we said it seemed like it was about three years ago, but we actually covered a pretty big game uh, uh, almost a week <laughs> ago now, which is kind of crazy. Um, yeah, the Egg Bowl, uh, Ole Miss ended up winning that one, wrapped up a ten and two regular season. Uh, it was a pretty normal game until the end. And yeah. then some some uh, some egg bowl things happened. What were just kind of your your overall thoughts from from the Mississippi State perspective on that game? Yeah, I thought you know from the Mississippi State perspective, I mean, if, if they just came out and, and laid an egg, you know, no pun intended, but Not, woo, um, pun. See that? I guess I can't even. I, I said that without thinking about it, but Andy Costas and used that in his headline action, so I guess he is the OG creator of that. But you know, it, they just came out and, and played so flat. I made so many mistakes. Um, you know, we, we've seen Ohio or Ohio State. What am I even talking about? We've seen Mississippi State come out and make, um, you know, a lot of mistakes in games. That Memphis game comes to mind. The Arkansas games comes comes to mind. Um, you know, first half of that Auburn game comes to mind. But like for for sixty minutes, they were just very boring to watch. Like the offense was stagnant. Um, you know, the defense was good, not great. You know, I, I think allowing what was it, ten points to o- o- Ole Miss in the first half. Yeah, um, yeah, it was ten to six. Ten, ten to six at, at halftime. Like that's, that's, I mean, nobody else has done that this season except what Alabama. Yeah. 
Um, like that, that, that's the kind of stuff that, you know, when your defense does that against an offense like that, like giving up 31 points is not a lot. Um, especially with what, you know, the Mike Leach air raid offense is supposed to be, um, came out and just played, played flat. Um, you know, those drops, obviously three drop touchdowns at the end of the first half on that last drive, there was also a drop touchdown earlier in the game with Makai Pulp. um, you know, settling for field goals early on. And then, you know, re- being reminded that you have no kicker, um, later on, um, there was just nothing, nothing flashy, nothing explosive. Um, you know, you had the, the Jet Johnson interception that was returned like 48 yards or something like that. But, but aside from that, nothing really flashy or explosive um, to, to keep the fans into the game. And I felt like that was such a big thing early on. Like you had that fourth down stop on the opening drive. The, the crowd was crazy. Like the environment was incredible, especially at the start of the game. I mean, it was, it was the best crowd in college football I've probably ever seen. Granted, you know, I've only been covering it for, three, four years, but it it was an outstanding environment and you get that fourth down stop and and the fans are into it and and they stay into it even after, you know, just settling for field goal, but, but nothing, there was just no big play to kind of get them back into get some decent returns. You couldn't do anything on offense. Um, You're punching the ball, you're missing field goals, you're, you're dropping touchdowns. Ole Miss was just able to take the crowd out of the game. And a lot of that was Ole Miss, Mac Brell. A lot of that was Mississippi state um, making its own mistakes. And, you know, we, we talked so much about how Mississippi State was a team that was really on a roll there at the end of the season and, and playing some of its um, best football. I mean, easily playing its best football that it's played in, in the Mike Leach tenure. And things are going well. And then, you know, you, you come out flat like that in a big game. Um, you know, and I wrote about how weird rivalries are because how do you, you know, gauge a season, you know, when you still lose your rivalry game. And that, that matters to fans probably more than it should in the grand scheme of things. But it, it leaves a sour taste in assessing, you know, a seven and five season for Mississippi State team that was really bad last year, um, and they're a team that looked really good at certain points this year, and has a really young team that's um, you know, going to return probably seventy percent of its starters, if not more. Like they're bringing back a ton of of its of their production. They had success this year, but but it leaves that sour taste because you came out flat in in the biggest game of the season, and how how do you rebound from that in the next month and and bring some energy into that bowl game. That's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, um, I, that series of – I know there were a few drop touchdowns, but the one that happened, like, legitimately in the end zone and then the missed field goal right after that right. was the point where I said, this game's over. Like That the, was on bad beat. Was it? Yeah. Well, yeah, of course. Mississippi, there, State, Mississippi State was plus one in the first half. So a field goal you at least push, a touchdown you win your bet. And uh, instead – but, but like, if you're, like, if you didn't know the Mississippi State kicking situation, like, I knew the Mississippi State kicking situation, you did too, like, you knew that he was going to miss that kick just because oh, that's how it's yeah. gone. Yeah. But if you're, like, unaware and you're better and you see those three drops, like, you know he's missing that kick because that's how the betting goes. Yeah, no, that was that was just a, a wild series of events where, you know, that first half really felt like Mississippi State should have been up a lot. Just because Ole didn't really play that well uh, in that right. first half, um, and Mississippi State had a, a lot of opportunities and um, you know weren't able to take care of them. But you know if if they go into halftime with that lead, it kind of feels like a very different game, and um, you know they were just never really ever able to. Because Mississippi that. Mississippi State got the ball out of the half too. Yeah, no, like, that could have been an for... easy four, fourteen point swing there. Absolutely, no, it's. Um, that, that felt like a, a big moment. And then, you know, Ole Miss, um, 
I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll I, I've been critical of the Ole Miss defense all year and has, it has deserved it at times, but this group has gotten so much better um, throughout the year. And, um, you know, I, I know that the, that the, 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 the air raid is sometimes has its good days and it's bad days, but it had a lot of good days recently. Uh, and for Ole Miss to, to do what it did and, you know, really up until the end, I think Will Rogers ended up having 330 something yards passing, but, you know, a lot of that was when Ole Miss was kind of giving them, you know, those sorts of plays, you know, when the game was really, I don't want to say in, you know, in, in really being decided, they really made Will Rogers life hard. Um, Sam Williams was, was, if he wasn't getting the sack, he was forcing holding calls. Uh, he, I mean, he was, he was really, really, he, he was, he was a man uh, out there and, you know, I mean, Ole Miss did enough offensively. Matt Crowell did not have his best game. The interception at the end, you know, kind of was like, oh, boy, is this the egg ball moment that we've been waiting for? Um, but, uh, you know, the defense just – last really the last few games, it's been the defense that has kept Ole Miss in games and winning games, which is just crazy to think about. Yeah. A year ago when they were giving up 40 points a game or 38, whatever it was. And now they're at, you know, 25, which is, is it great? No, but it's a lot better. And when you're averaging you can, 36 or 37, you're going to win a lot of games. And so you can do that because like, we're talking so much about how the offense didn't play. Well, the offense is going to score 30 points anyway. Yes, no, exactly. They had a bad day and they put up 31. Like, right. Um, you know, I, I can I, think of one team in the big 10 that is located in Southern Indiana. that wouldn't mind that. Well, I, I, a team I used to cover located in Wyoming would love to average 30. <laughs> um, that is neither here nor there. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, the defense really, it came through. And it's come through. It came through against A&M. Um, you know, that, that, that Liberty game, it, it, kept, it kept a minute for the most part um, when the offense kind of stalled out the second half. Favorable game was just weird. I just kind of forgot that game happened. Um, but then even in the loss, um, you know, to Auburn, uh, you know, if the defense kept them in that game and they ended up losing, but it, it kept them around, the offense had opportunities. And so, you know, I think there's a lot of things that Ole Miss fans would have liked to have gone better to be more efficient on the fourth downs. And, you know, every, every one of those fourth downs they don't get, it's just like, uh, here we go again. Uh, but that's, they just kind of are what they are at this point. It's what they do. Um, I think it's funny. It's, it's a commitment to the bit. Exactly. No, it's, it's great. And like, if it works, you look like a genius. It just doesn't always work. And, um, but I, I, it was a really, um, you know, the offense has not looked quite as good as it did earlier in the season. And I think level of competition has a lot to do with that and injuries and just the being the end of a season has a lot yeah. to do with that. Um, but you know, the defense has played its best football of the year um, recently and, it's really impressive, uh, you know, if, if this defense is, is giving up 30 points a game compared to 25, this isn't a 10-win team. I mean, this is what I thought it would be. You know, I, I thought going in 8-4, 9-3 would be a really, really good season. And I thought a lot of things would have to go right for Ole Miss to finish 10-2. and And, um, you know, a lot of things didn't go right because of injuries and all that stuff. And, you know, you all thought Matt Corral was done uh, in the Auburn game. And, uh, you know, despite kind of everything not really going to plan, they figured out ways to win. It was, uh, you know, the Egg Bowl was just another kind of, it's kind of a microcosm of their season of 
we did, you know, if, if we, if, if Ole Miss is going to win games, I think everybody thought it was going to be like 50 to 48. Right. And they won a lot of games. That were, been that. You know, other than really the Arkansas game, which was actually three years ago uh, at this point, <laughs> um, you know, other than that game, they haven't really had those kind of crazy shootout games. And um, yeah, I, I just, you know, it, it was really impressive. Um, obviously, uh, you know, who knows what the bowl game is going to end up being, but you know, 10 wins for the first time in regular season history is, is pretty wild. And, um, you know, just, as, as Matt Corral said, like, well, Miss has been playing football a long time. Yeah. Uh, to, to do something for the first time is pretty big. And to do it against Mississippi State, I think, was, was pretty sweet. Uh, I, I don't know how you did a whole season listening to Cowbells, man. I, I, I'm, I can, I'm still hearing them. I've learned – I guess I've learned to kind of embrace them because um... – because you kind of tune them out after game one, I guess. Um, you know, there, there have been games where you I pull out the Egg Bowl because it's it's tough, and, I, and I'm surprised it didn't happen in the Egg Bowl because that was definitely the loudest spin. Um, but no, I mean that the the cowbells. You know, I know a lot of people are annoyed. About, they are a little annoying on TV. Like how they sound on TV is kind of annoying because how the how the hot mics and stuff pick it up. Uh-huh. Um, but but being there. Um, you know, they're loud about, I don't think, I, I guess I don't consider them annoying. I think they add to the environment a little bit. So oh, I'll it's awesome. The, I mean, yeah. That's why college yeah. football is great. The one thing I was just thinking of when you were talking about, um, you know, Ole Miss's uh, uh, record this year, and um, I couldn't remember what the second loss was. I knew they lost Alabama, and then you mentioned Auburn there. Um, you know, Mississippi State walks away from this year 7-5, and five, really kicking themselves about the fact that they're not, maybe even a nine or 10 win team. Like Alabama is the only team that really thumped them. And granted their, their mistakes, their mistakes against Ole Miss, um, you know, a lot of mistakes, like it didn't necessarily feel like Mississippi state should have won the game. Like it felt like they should have beat Arkansas and it felt like um, they should have beat Memphis, um, should have beat LSU. They didn't really feel like they should have beat Ole Miss, but like regardless nine or 10 wins, um, you know, feeling that they should have had that, um, it, it kind of doesn't feel like that with Ole Miss. Like, like Ole Miss doesn't look back on either of those two losses. Like, I mean, Alabama game was what it was, and and the Auburn game, like they, they probably should have played better, but like they like they didn't make a lot of mistakes. They just like didn't really play well. And Auburn was a pretty good team at that time. Like, there's yeah. there's not there's not really a point where Ole Miss is like kicking itself for not being in the in the playoff picture right now. Like, I think they're very okay with being like Sugar Bowl, Peach Bowl, Citrus Bowl, whatever they they end up in, in that mix. Um, because I think they just played to to what they are. Like I don't think they're a twelve win team, but I, I think they are a ten win team. Like because they, they played well or well enough in the games that they needed to win, and they struggled in the games that they probably deserved to lose. Yeah, I mean the Alabama game, they play that game a hundred times, they probably lose ninety five of them. Just right. how that game went and the talent, right? Um, and just it's a bad matchup. Alabama's a bad matchup for most teams. Um, in the Auburn, in the Auburn game, like Ole Miss played really bad, and Auburn was playing really, really well. It's not like they're, right. you know, like you said, I, I don't think they're thinking, dang, like coulda, woulda, shoulda in those games. Like those were games they just lost. Um, right. Not right. play well, and the other team was just better. You know, if they had lost the Arkansas game, or if they lost the Tennessee game at, at the end, I think those would have been ones where they're kicking themselves because. And that's the that's I think what the difference is between where Mississippi State and where Ole Miss are right now. I think Mississippi State's on the rise. And it's actually, you know, I wrote about this the next day. It's kind of interesting to see what happens because 
Mississippi State loses this game, but they return everyone. They have leads, and the offense appears to be, you know, doing great in year two, you know, going into year three. And now on Ole Miss side, like, there's a lot of talk about Lane leaving. There's a lot of talk about, you know, the fact that Matt Corral is leaving. How do you replace a generational talent like that unless you go out and get Spencer, Spencer Rattler, which could happen as well. But, like, all, all that kind of stuff, like, it's, it's weird how this game went and how next season could go. But the difference this year was Mississippi State – in Ole Miss's shoes, loses the Tennessee game, loses that Arkansas game, um, you know, obviously, you know, the Alabama game, whatever. But, like, Ole Miss in Mississippi State's shoes probably beats Memphis and beats Arkansas and beats, um, you know, LSU, like, in, in the type of ways that those games panned out. And I think that's just a difference between a top-10 team and a team that, you know, has been up and down between being ranked and being unranked. And I think, I think that's just where the programs are this year. I don't think that's indicative of where the, you know, the traje- trajectory is, um, but where they are this year and, and, and how you kind of look at the season based on just that rivalry game is that sometimes, sometimes fans need to be able to kind of say, Hey, you know, we hate Ole Miss and we hate losing Ole Miss, but you lost the top 10 team. Like Ole Miss is a top 10 top, what were it, number seven in the latest eight people? Uh, like that's, they're eight. Eight, yeah, I mean, the latest April Fool, but like that's that's a top ten team, and like Mississippi State knocked off Texas A and M, and they went on the road and beat Auburn, and like and they beat Kentucky, like they beat NC State, they beat all these ranked teams. Like you're good enough to beat a ranked team, but like five ranked wins in a season is a lot, yeah. especially with one of those being against a top ten team. And that's just that's, I I think that's just how the game um, progressed and kind of how you know how both teams um, performed this season. I think it's just indicative of that. Yeah, no, I I, I kind of agree that. I think this Ole Miss team got the most out of it that it, that could. I don't think there were right. any. I don't think there's really anything left on the table with with, with, right. with this team. Like they they maximized what they had. Like this, the absolute ceiling. I think is is what we saw. Especially with those injuries too, man. Especially with those injuries. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, no. I mean, just kind of watching Mississippi State season from afar, there just seemed like there were so many moments where it seemed like they were going to be a top 10 team and then like, right. uh, you know, things didn't work. And I, I think that's it's the nature of the beast that, you know, sometimes programs are in different places, but uh, and it, it's crazy that, you know, the roles are kind of getting reversed uh, the, the, this next year is as Ole Miss loses a lot of really key players, Matt Crow right. being the biggest um, and, 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 you know, Will Rogers kind of coming back with, with everybody else on that, on that, um, that state team. It's be interesting if, if, if this is the conversation we're having next year too, if we're saying it, yeah. who got the most out of what they had. Right. Well, that's next year. Yeah. Long yeah. way to go. I know, I know. Which next year in college football years is, uh, 15 years in yes. talk years. Correct. It's 30 coaching changes. Yes, yes. In uh, one state. <laughs> on that note, good luck on uh, getting the Notre Dame or Oklahoma job. Uh, maybe you will have it by the next time we chat. Uh, you know, you, you haven't you haven't tracked my, I guess, my car because I drove. But, like, you're not, like, thinking at all about how someone from Starkville went to south, you know, northern Indiana area. I guess I'm not south, but I don't even know where I am. But, I like, it doesn't concern you. That's not, like, maybe I drove Leach up here. Maybe he's interviewing right now for the Notre Dame job well you know as someone who doesn't know the geography of Indiana I think it's all one place so (laughs) I just assumed you were there yes yes I am there (laughs) but uh until next time everybody thank you for listening